This is Stage Right, and I am your host, John Thorne. They say if you die with a handful of friends, you die a rich man. Well, I have several buses full, and I'm very excited to share them all with you. Welcome to Stage Right. I am your host, John Thorne. This is episode 22. Today, I'll pick up with part three of my conversation with my good friend, Mark Gershmill from Whiteheart. But before I get to part three with Gersh, I want to give a shout out to a couple of Whiteheart fans who uh, listen around the world. Got uh, Rod Sloan, first of all, who listens in Australia. Rod is a longtime Whiteheart fan. Actually sent me pictures several years ago of when he got to meet the band. So Rod uh, listens in Australia, and I also want to give a shout-out to Tim Cockroft. Tim is the fan that I referenced in episode 20, and I couldn't remember his name, and Gersh and I were having a conversation about the concert in Johannesburg when his keyboard rig had all the pyro around it, and he almost caught on fire. Well, Tim was the one that reached out to me to tell me that he had a home-recorded VHS PAL copy of that concert, and he was going to try to get it converted so he could send us a copy. So Tim in South Africa, Rod in Australia, thanks you guys for listening. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to email me at john at stagerightpodcast.com, john at stagerightpodcast.com, email me, tell me where you listen, uh, throw your name in the hat, and uh, we're going to have a giveaway coming up. So email me and you'll be eligible to win that prize pack. So last week, Whiteheart fan Sarah Murphy contacted me to say, hey, love the podcast with Gersh. Is there any way you could get Rick Florian to come on? And I said, he's going to do it. He's just not sure when. So Tuesday, I was sitting at my desk just doing some other stuff. My phone rings. I look down. It's Rick Florian. He's got the afternoon to talk. So we ended up recording a two-hour call. So Rick's going to be my guest in a few weeks, and it's going to be a two-parter. And my guest next week is Bryn Gershmill from Rachel Rachel. We will talk all things in Bryn's life before, during, and after Rachel Rachel. So don't miss next week. It is uh, going to be fantastic. Hey Rockstar provides digital marketing software and services to generate more leads, more exposure, and more revenue for your business or organization. Let Hey Rockstar amplify your awesomeness. Okay, so let's get to the album that came after Tales that I think might be equally as good as Freedom. And Knox and Anthony just oh, God. killed it. I mean, all you guys did. It was just such an amazing album. Talk about the Highlands album for a minute. Well, it, it was it was interesting. And in, in, uh, I think, you know, when you come off of uh, an experience like Tales of Wonder, uh, and you felt like there was something really special that happened there. It's like, oh gosh, can we do that again? Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was, it, you know, having John in in, a, in the seat, you know, and yep. uh, I think it, he and Anthony blossoming together as players over that period of time. Yeah. You know, it's it's the foundationally, you know, it was. Uh, just some really amazing stuff that was going on with, with the two of them. But it's, it, a lot of that record was re- recorded in a, in a place called the, the, the boardroom mm-hmm. and uh, which was a smaller studio, but it had a, you know, a really good sound to it. And, and Richie, once again, was 
captain of that ship. And, and I think that everybody was just sinking in deeper to some of the same vision. You'd be astonished that you, you say that I, there are so many people that think that that's their favorite record. Wow. I don't doubt it, dude. It's close, man. It is close. Uh, it, which, which I, uh, I'm grateful for once again, set design mm-hmm. was an amazing thing for the live performance. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, our, our wonderful concessions guy, Ron yeah. playing the bagpipes <laughs> for the, <laughs> yep. at the start of it with his, you know, long hair and, oh, everybody, everybody loved that moment. Our, our concessions guy would come out with, with, I actually still have the bagpipes here. <laughs> okay, so my daughter's engaged to a guy from Scotland. They gave me a set of mini bagpipes for Christmas. Oh, really? Every How time cool I see him, I, I I told him all the story about you and the bagpipes in the attic and, <laughs> and Ron. <laughs> <laughs> Still there. Still there. Uh, yeah, but that was that was a magical time, magical tour. Yeah, it was. You ended up playing a lot of that music, too. And so I, I think that... Um, that you get into the design of all of all that it was yeah there were some really good moments um I, i'm just very gosh i'm just so grateful for the people we worked with yeah for sure man you being one of them on so many levels it was just what's what's difficult for people to understand is when you're in a band yeah there are all these classic stories uh in from the rock and roll world which are true about all the great hardships that it can be and very talented people having wars with one another. And, but there are also the stories of like bands like you two that come together for their bass player and they all have houses in the South of France in the same area. They, they've been the band of brothers forever. Um, you're a family. Yeah. You're, you know, literally if you're on the road, any length of time, especially traveling overseas and all the traveling that it's occurred, you're, cross country or an in a candle like we were so often hmm. um you're with each other a lot so the kind of devotion that i think that god asks from a family is the kind of devotion you need for your musical brothers and yes since everybody's so talented and and the arts makes us they make us vulnerable that's what art's supposed to do right good art makes everyone vulnerable it makes you to look inside yourself and realize why do i get up in the morning and why is this picture that just fell out of my Bible this morning of my son, why does it bring me to tears? He was four years old. What I would do for him now, right? now that he's 22, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for him. You know, those, just those snippets of life, we, we as artists get to gather all that together. And I don't think, you know, people always praise me. I, I think we're just a, we're like every other one of God's sons and daughters, you know, and there are so many people that have abilities that I only dream about and they're influenced by their gifts in ways that I can just, I can watch it, but I'm not inside it. Right. But for those of us who were on buses together and on stages together and in writer's rooms together and late at night waiting to get that part, just the way to say it's supposed to say what it's supposed to say. Right. And you're in there battling together and then you get it. (laughs) Yep. Then you get it. Yep. And, and that part of you just feels once again, that April rain feeling, it's just, ah, the creative process just renewed my heart and made me closer to that person who helped me out. That's what bands oftentimes are. It's the undertold story 
of bands. Everybody likes to get into the controversy, but the good side of it at all is, especially in a Christian band, when you're sharing your faith and you're sharing the reason and you're faring, sharing the hope, you know, that you might go out and change somebody's life today just because God thought enough of, of giving you a gift that you might be somehow a servant of him for that night. Right. You know, it's, it's a joy beyond, beyond expressing. Well, we love God because he first loved us. Amen. And then once you feel it, the natural next step is to express it. And that's what makes what we did so powerful and so special. Yep, I, I totally agree. Could not say it better. Okay, so there were several greatest hits albums over the career of White Hart. Um, nothing but the best radio and rock versions came out, but I don't really want to talk about the greatest hits. I just want to focus on the main albums. So the next album that comes up is Inside. You and I had a chance to work with one of the great producers of all time, Ken Scott. What do you remember about that? Well, there is, uh, uh, you know, a guy who's Ken Scott. My gosh, he played the Moog synthesizer on Elton John's Mad Men Across the Water. Yes, he did. (laughs) He was was there mastering Beatles tapes. I mean... (laughs) He produced David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> oh man, you know, uh, I know, just a a world of wisdom, uh, you know, and an approach to recording. You know, we had some marvelous people, you know, with the you know Bill Dreschers and the Brown Bannisters. You know, Brown. Oh my gosh, yeah, go on forever about Brown. Brown taught me so much about music and layering things and hearing things and. Uh, being patient with things, yep. you know, making sure every voice is heard. Ken Scott had that same kind of thing in a very different way. Um, he valued what people were saying. He valued what people were playing. Yeah. And so it, it was, it was a, it was just so interesting to have that kind of reflection on what you're doing. He, he, he smoked a lot. <laughs> I drank a lot of t- he drank a lot of tea. Yeah, oh yeah, boy he did, didn't he? I forgot about that. Yep. But uh he he had a vision, you know, and and so I I always respected him for the single-mindedness of his his vision. You know, he's his stories were so rich, you know, and you that's how we learn in this business. You know, I I think that that's something this is a whole other subject, but now that music has gotten cheaper and easier to make. Yeah. Uh, uh, with the advent of digital audio workstations and computers and every home can, you know, in a sense, I mean, I've got a studio in our back room and you have one in yours and, mm-hmm. and you can, there's so much you could do. It's enormous potential, but you know, I, I, I go back to the people like the Ken Scott's and the, you know, the Jeff Ballings and the Richie Biggs and all, all the things that they taught me and continue to teach me. Right. That's what's so great about art mm-hmm. is I got up this morning and there was something I knew I could learn. Yeah. I could be better somehow today. It's that way every day. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow I'll actually write a good song. <laughs> you know, that's the way I honestly feel. It's, and, but, uh, I think in this day and age, people, uh, they're not availing themselves of the resources they could. Right, and the way we all learn is to learn from a Ken Scott and to to learn from a Brown Bannister, and to, you know I learn so much from the guys in my band. You know, it's just yeah how to, how to get the best of you out and onto a 
whether it's a two-inch piece of tape or it's, it's being reduced in this day and age to zeros and ones. How can you make zeros and ones feel like it's a story that somebody needs to hear? I know, right? I know it. Ken was the perfect British gentleman as a producer. He was, wasn't he? He carried himself with such dignity, and he wouldn't get in the middle of disagreements, but at the end, when you said, what do you think, he would tell you. Yeah, but you're, you're so right. It was interesting to watch. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. But th that is so true, th and that was a, a a really big part of making that record. If you, eh, Now that I think in retrospect, man, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> Ken was awesome. I love Ken. I love that time we had with him. And I remember I had like two full days of just bass overdubs, and one of the days he had this crazy idea for me to do this instead of like a um, Tony Levin with a stick kind of thing. He wanted me to try Ritual with a slap part that wasn't really a funk part, but it was a slap part. So I record the whole song, get to the end, and he says, I hope you don't shoot me, but what do you think about going back and doing the verses over in the first couple choruses because it sounds more natural now that you've been doing this for a few hours. So what do you think about that? And I looked at him and I said, oh, gee, three more hours in the studio with you? Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So we spent three more hours, redid the parts from the early part of the song, and it sounded great, all came together, and it was like, oh, my gosh, I would do anything. I told him I'd do this five times if he wanted me to. Well, and and there's a wonderful lesson there in uh you know, and I, I believe that in songwriting as well is I always say to people is if, you, if you're co-writing with me, this is this is the safest room on the planet. Yep. Say the stupidest thing, because I promise you I'm going to say something really stupid. Probably won't take me very long. But they're in the middle of, you know, you could you could do something and play something. But right there at the end, of, ah, 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 ah. what was that thing you just said? Or what was that thing you just played? Play, play the thing that you just played. Okay, all right. What if you did? What if you did this or that? Yeah, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, Tony K, the the keyboard player from Genesis, he said we used to chase our mistakes. Yeah, he said we'd be rehearsing, and then all of a sudden somebody would make a mistake, and you go like, oh, okay, let's stop. What? what wait, what? That was kind of cool, actually. Right. You know, <laughs> and he, and then you know Genesis, who was always in such an, especially in the Peter Gabriel days, was such an adventuresome band. They follow their mistakes to wherever that might go. Right. I want to give the listeners a vivid example of this and how it relates to you specifically. Okay, we were writing, and we were between football games. We were sitting in my family room. I picked up the guitar, and we started working on this song that ultimately became The Light. But before it became The Light, we're playing, and we're writing, and we're working on the verses. Then we get to the chorus, and we're just playing it and listening to it. I'm playing it on the guitar. We're just kind of humming and just kind of pondering for a second. And then all of a sudden, I hear this thing in my head. And I said, well, I hear this thing in my head, but I don't know if it's any good or not. And you said, well, sing it. So I sang, I am, I am, I am, I am. We worship the great I am. And you said, oh, my gosh, I love that. But I think we can come up with a stronger hook than that, like a better lyrical hook. You said, I love the call and answer. I love the melody. I just think we can come up with something that's a little bit stronger. And then it wasn't long after that. You said, I've got it. And you said, what do you think about this? The light, the light, 
the light, the light, the light of the world will come. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's brilliant. Well, I, 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 I do remember that. I appreciate you saying that. But the other thing about that is, because when we were just starting, it was in your office and you go, on the bass and it's like okay holy freak that is the verse (laughs) that was because all i was trying to throw out was a vibe and by actually doing it i threw out the part and it was like perfect and it was like it had really not much to do with me other than i just played you this thing to create a vibe but what i threw out actually worked and it, it really did that song is so cool well it it but it was that's was your genius in that moment because and you know i think about it too i told bren this it's just a song from a musical that john and i wrote called awaiting emmanuel which is, remains one of the favorite things i've ever done in my entire musical career me too the journey uh, his sister and brother-in-law were a part of it too the, the journey of the ideas about um the birth of our savior and and the longing of israel it's it's it remains one of the favorite thing my favorite things i've ever been privileged to be a part of the entire my yep. entire musical life. Yeah. But um, that whole thing was that, you know, when a part and a sound becomes a structure point, that's exactly what happened that moment for people that love music, you know, and I'll refer back to another time. It's like, I wrote off of the, the freedom record, let the kingdom come. I, I wrote that by myself mm-hmm. in a room. And then we get into another room, which is called a studio and in walks Tommy Sims. Yeah. And I'm sure that everybody that's ever heard that album knows don't. Uh-uh. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, what is that? Yeah. So, in the world of uh, of of songwriting and and, and songwriting um, uh, credentials and credits, uh, some people may know or they may not uh, know uh, a riff. Is, is will not be for the most part, it will not be a, a songwriting credit. You know, somebody writes a song and somebody comes into the studio and plays something. And the perfect example that would be Gordon Kennedy's father, who played something on a song called Pretty Woman. That is Gordon Kennedy's father. <laughs> and if that should ever have been part of the songwriting credit, holy smokes. Right. Well, so we're sitting down at the end, as we always did at the end of making a record, and you say, So these songs. These songs have been chosen. What are the splits? Who wrote on these songs? So everybody is properly paid or whatever. I gave Tommy Sims part of that song because that part he played is such an important part of Kingdom Come. Even though he didn't wasn't in the room writing with me, yeah. that's that part is part of that song. That's a bedrock. So I gave him writing credit on that. Right. Because he wrote on it. Right. He may have wrote wrote later. <laughs> well, it was an amazing part. To an already amazing song. Oh, gosh, yes. Just brilliant. And the same thing was true of your line in that song, The Light, uh, which I still is, is, once again, one of my favorite songs I've ever been a part of. I just remember being on the stage at your church, and we didn't have all the heavy arsenal of electric guitars and some of my bigger keyboards playing it, but it was just three guitars. We were right. sitting down there singing and playing. And it's like, you know what? It works at this level. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the thing that I found really great songs. People forget what, a, you know, what, what wonderful melodies can do to people, you know, and if the design of a song is right and it says something important enough to be listened to in a timeless way, 
Yeah. It's going to live on. You could produce it however you want. Dress it up. You want a drum machine? Fine. You want a real drummer? Fine. You want any drums? Fine. Right. You know, it, 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 a great song will live at so many levels. And, uh, and when you're fortunate or blessed enough to stumble on those, it's like, oh, man. This is way bigger than me. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, before we run out of time, for everybody that wants to put a bow on it, let's talk about the Redemption album, the last studio album White Heart did. Well, once again, I just rem- uh, it felt like a great postscript. It was, t- it, you know, honestly, it was, it was time, to, time to move on. And, uh, Rick was beginning his real estate career, which he's done tremendously well. He yeah. a house. You live near Nashville. Call Rick for him. Um, uh, but it, it was it was time to start moving on. But it, we, I think it there, it just needed a night's wrap up, and uh, and Richie was such a part of that. Uh, it doesn't say it on the record, but Richie Biggs was a producer on that record. He deserved, he deserved to be paid producer points. Um, he was such a part of the vision for that record. I, I do remember, uh, you know, Mike Mead played drums on that and, uh, what, what a gifted drummer and Barry Growl, uh, who is one of the best people on the planet plays for mercy. Me now it's just very, very talented player, wonderful guy. And, uh, Steve Hinn long was the only time we ever recorded with percussion live in in the recording process oh wow so it was integrated from the get-go and steve hinlong who's you know from the choir was very gifted at that he was part of the recording session and then mark hill played bass yep now mark played bass on the additional new tracks that were on the nothing but the best rock and radio uh greatest hits album yes he did and uh he plays for uh reva mcintyre and uh, Brooks and Dunn now, and but he's played on so many records. You've heard Mark Hill, you don't even realize it. Uh, <laughs> but it, and Mark, by the way, played on my solo record. Mark played all the guitars. I remember that. Oh, he's just he's just so gifted. And boy, you talk about a guy who's dedicated to the craft. So it was a different cast of characters, and you know we knew that it wasn't going to be something that we were going to go on the road with, probably just at that point. But I, I was so glad that we were allowed to do that. Claire Parr was a big part of that. Was at Curb Records uh, yeah. when we were there. Claire Parr is the person who got Ken Scott, yeah, to be a part of us because Claire Parr was a, a person who worked radio at Geffen Records. She's responsible for Michael W. Smith's place in the world being on secular radio. That, my friends, was Claire Parr. Yeah. And Claire Parr had thank you let framed thank you letters from Don Henley <laughs> on her wall. Yep. <laughs> uh, from Peter Gabriel and oh god, oh my goodness, on and on and on and on the people that she worked with. And so gifted and so talented in her own right. And I'm lamenting because a week ago she passed away. I know. And, and, but you talk about creative life forces and she was a great writer. She was a great singer. She mixed monitors for Genesis. Yeah. I mean, talk about a nutty, wild, crazy career. Uh, just an enormously talented person. Another crazy, crazy talented person that we had the opportunity to work with. And it just seemed like whoever we worked with, no matter what their role was, they were equally gifted. Just the the best people on the planet. Oh, yes. 
I mean, I go back to, uh, um, I, I hate to name names just because I know I'm going to miss so many important people. The Mike Wilsons, you know, the Rob Luttrell who worked with, with you. So lived with you, you know, and then uh, what if, well, what Rob coordinates yeah. nine video screens yeah. for, for Alan Jackson. He does out there with King and country. I mean, he's, uh, there were so many talented people. I mean, the very first sound company people from Columbus, Ohio, Dave Mead and, Rusty Ranny on lights and yep. and Mark Merchant on on front of house. I mean, t- these people were so good at what they did yeah. and made us look and sound so much better. I mean, you know, and just wonderful people that loaded buses and you know. And then I go extend all that farther on all the youth pastors who believed in us and went before their churches and said, "We need these guys to come in." You know, and, and we're there for because we would never do an altar call unless we had tons of counselors there. And there they were, and they were going to pick up these people who came to know the Lord or, you know, bo- you know, poured out their hearts, the hard times they were having. They were going to be, when we left town, those people were going to be there. I can't thank them enough right. for what they did. Absolutely. You know, Gersh, what's crazy about it is those concerts were years and years ago, but there's people that became Christians at those concerts that are still following uh, Christian music and still serving the Lord. It's just remarkable to think that the legacy of the music and those tours and all of that, that stuff continues. The impact that all of that had continues to this day. You know, I, 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 I think that we were all privileged in the sense that there was an openness at that time. Um, for for some psalms, yeah. For some, you know, there are a lot of people that there are some people now that think, well, you know, you can only do worship, you can you can only, um, you know, just praise God, get all the attention off of you, and and of course we need to praise God. And some of the greatest hymns, you know, the glorious hymns, you know, holy, 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 and you know, they they're just on a crown and with many crowns, and oh, on and on, just fantastic songs that tell the story of the redemption of our lives through the gift of Jesus. And, and I'm so grateful for all those, but, uh, and there's some people that believe, well, that's, that's what Christian music can only be. Right. I am not one of those people. I think that that is fantastic, necessary. And as believers, yes, we need to pour out our hearts in reverence to God. Yeah. But David was pretty honest in Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. against thee, thee only have I sinned, done that which was evil in thy sight, for they are justified in thy sin and blameless in thy judgment. You know, behold, thy desire is truth in thy inward being, so teach me wisdom in my secret heart. This is a guy who's living life and knows he just did something really horrible. Right. And create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a right spirit with it. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy. He didn't have the joy. He wanted it back. Yeah. You know, and so when, when you write like the songs that came out of the, those courageous people from the Jesus movement who said, you know what? Drugs aren't the answer. Alcohol's not the answer. The world is falling apart. You know, free love is not so free. I got to find something else. And lo and behold, Jesus enters their heart. And they start writing these songs, and it's based on their life right there, right then, in that moment. And they're so grateful, and they have so much more work to do, and so many more places they want to be. And they don't know how to get there, so they write a song about it. Yep. 
And then we get to come on the scene and, you know, we get to write about, about great moments and broken marriages and, and suicide and, and not knowing how to forgive and, and, and all these, uh, these wonderful ideas, these wrestlings of faith that we just try to write about and give back to God. They're David's laments. That's all they are. Right. They're just for the eighties and nineties and two thousands. They're, they're David's laments. Yeah. And it's David's joys and, you know, and, you know, you're going to, you know, then I'll be able to give you an offering. When I get all this stuff cleared out, right? you're going to be happy with this offering. This is Psalm 51, you know, you know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, and this is why I'm so happy. God made convertible. <laughs> yes, he did. The first night I ever saw you guys play, you guys played that and you and Billy did the horn thing. So that's a nice way to put a bow on it. Dude, before I get you out of here, tell everyone what you and Bryn are doing. Tell them about your book. Tell them about Soul Breather and all the stuff you guys are working on. Well, the interesting thing is, you know, post Whiteheart, um, I, I did a solo record, which yes. I enjoy doing. But uh, Dude, it is such a good record. Everyone, go find it on Amazon. It's just called Gersh. It's, and it's, uh, I appreciate your saying that. Yeah, it was a wonderful time. It was basically three people. Made a Bryn sang a little bit of Jimmy Lee Slow sang a little bit on it. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I can't. I can't hold this phrase, dude. I've got a concave chest. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about, Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy Lee Slow was in for him, and Jimmy Lee Slow is for all bass players. They all know who Jimmy Lee Slow is. Oh, crazy great talent too. Um, but after that time, and it was is right after that time, I started to feel weird, and I I just I I would call my mom, and then I'd say, Mom, man, your cold is your your cold is terrible, and I don't, Mark, I don't have a cold. No, and I called her a week later. Boy, you still got that cold? Is it? Should you go to the doctor, Mark? I don't have a cold. And it went on until finally, I always held the phone forever in my left hand, so I could write with my right hand because I'm right handed and just got to be habit, I guess. And well, I, I shifted the phone from my left ear to my right ear and lo and behold, she did not have a cold. Hmm. I had a problem. And the short story of it was they thought I had a brain tumor for a while. I was just terribly nauseated and dizzy all the time. They thought I had Meniere's disease. I got an MRI for the brain tumor. No, you no, know, we found a, we found a little bit of a brain there. Not much, but, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, they couldn't figure out what. So when I jumped into a higher level care at you know, Vanderbilt University here in Nashville, is one of the premier research hospitals in the world. And I got with one of the top three neuroacoustic surgeons in the world, and and he discovered that I had an acute viral infection hmm. in my left ear. So to the point of just as a point of reference, if um. If I listened to the dial tone on the phone, it would be a C in my right ear, and it would be an E in my left ear. Oh, wow. Not only that, if somebody's talked, I mean, it was indistinguishable. The sounds of the ocean from the sounds of the Starbucks cappuccino machine at work to you name it, the garbage disposal. So everything that – every sound was the same. It was, and I was so nauseated all the time just from – my inner ear issues. Um, and I, I just thought I was done, uh, ever making music ever again, let alone enjoying it. But, hmm. 
Um, and so uh, he, this guy did some, some, oh, some, some revolutionary techniques where he numbed my ear and shot steroids directly into my inner ear. And there's a whole story with all that <laughs> stuff that went on. But they finally got to the point. They said, you know what? Um, we've done everything that we can for you. And uh, I'm we're sorry that it didn't work. And, you know, this is a changing field. We always hope that some new technology or new treatment will come on. So we want you to come back in six months and, do another audiology test, which I always failed miserably. Hmm. And, uh, and, and so, um, uh, if I, um, I ended up going back in six months and there was a woman there who was so kind to me, you know, you want to get to that level of care. It's just, they're amazing people. Uh, uh, and she, she was such a kind advocate for me. She knew my, what she knew as a musician and all that. And, and so I went in for the test and I came out and she said, well, I can't explain this, but you show significant improvement in three years that we've never seen. Hmm. And I th said to myself, well, um, you may not be able to explain it, <laughs> but I can, but I know. And, it, and to my shame, my wife tells me you need to pray more for yourself. And she's right. Um, but my sister and my mother prayed for me every day yep. for six months straight. And there is no other explanation. Yep. But I am improved and improved and, and um, it's not perfect, but I started to be able to work. And, and my wonderful friend, Richie Biggs, uh, who is so kind to me, has been such a treasured friend. You know, I'd play him something. I'd say, so I'm mixing this. I'm working on this. What do you think? Is it okay? And he goes, no, you're, you're getting it. Sounds good. You, you keep going, keep going. And always instructing me on things I could do better. Cause he knows, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but, um, and basically taught me everything I know about engineering and so gracious to share that knowledge. But, but then I started to think, well, all right, well maybe I can work again. So what, what can we do? And, so Bryn is just a marvelous songwriter and, and I was working on some things with her and, um, uh, and she started playing, she played a, a keyboards in, in Rachel, Rachel, but she's always been a, you know, a, a marvelous one thing worshiper, mm -hmm. but she, she's, she learned how to play acoustic guitar, uh, in, in a park in Los Angeles with a teacher who taught her Paul Simon. Wow. So she finger picks amazingly. Yes, she does. And, and just the relationship and those of you, and you're one of them too. When you pick up an acoustic guitar, something does different happens to you the way you write. Yeah. It's something about the interface of wood resonating in the hands of somebody who's singing or thinking. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's a magical thing. And that started in influencing the way she writes. We kind of geared her more towards a different she started to go in a different direction vocally it's not that just the rocked out rachel rachel but she found a sweet angelic part of her voice and weirdly <laughs> uh and daryl harris is one of the guys earlier if i was telling you from star so we invited him over to hear some of the first things he was doing he said gersh i know you've been in rock and roll and you've had you've done you've had a bunch of tons of hits he says but just forget about that all now just i don't know why this works with that fragile voice singing with your thick voice it just works. Right. He says, just, just follow this rainbow wherever it'll go. Just follow this rainbow. And we you know, quite 
honestly, very slowly didn't really address it the way we needed to. But then we started to, you know, knowing I, you know, as much as I still love, love, love rock music, you know, because of what happened with my ear, I probably wasn't going to put myself in situations like that again, right? just because of the sound pressure levels. I wasn't going to do too much of that. And, but also the intersection, you know, art is about life. Life had changed. We had a son, different challenges, different ways to sing. The world, it's, oh, has the world changed? <laughs> yeah. So do we need to, well, how can we address this? How are we going to write about this? And so it was one of those, it was a morning, <laughs> a morning where Bryn, uh, I slept in too late when she went off to this new church by herself let's <laughs> wait for me but she got she knew i hadn't slept well and so she left me stayed sleeping and in a and it'll be in the book in a sun-drenched morning in early spring god spoke to me and and gave me that name for him called the soul breather and because as genesis 2 7 you know the lord god formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living thing and somewhere on this planet you and i became living things why there's got to be a reason and i have a a census i have it on my list of favorites in in my computer it's the u.s census website Mm -hmm. and if you go to the u.s census website you will find that they have this barrel that keeps turning over, and that barrel is the world's population. Oh, my gosh. So I go there from time to time to remind myself as we're well over 7 billion now, and you see that barrel spinning, and you realize it represents a life, and you also know through science that there is not a person on this planet, and I've done the research, even identical twins as well, farther down their genomes. There's not a person on the planet that has your DNA. So why would he do it? Why would he do it? He's got something for you. Something that only you can do. There's a reason he breathed into you the breath of life. So we, he's the big soul breather, capital S, always capital S, the creator of the universe, God, our soul breather. We're little soul breathers. We got a little S. He's put us here for a reason. We get to breathe life into somebody else. How somebody else who's listening to this broadcast may do it differently then I'm going to do it. I, I look at you. You're a magical person to me. You do so many things so well. <laughs> I mean, you've got endless creative ideas. There isn't anybody on the planet quite like you. I know it for a fact. <laughs> I've been blessed to have you in my life. So you're here for a reason. Right. And, and for all those people out there listening, so now at this stage of our life, in my life, Ben and I, we want to tell the story to people that, yes, there is a God. Don't you ever mistake that, you know, there are a lot of people wandering around out there now that are really confused and they think they're God. Right. And they're wrong. <laughs> and I always want to say to them lovingly, fine, go out and make a universe. Right. Exactly. And, and, but, but you can make some other kind of smaller universe. You're here for a reason. But it's going to be far better when you realize where all this came from because you, you need him desperately like I need him desperately. It's the thing that holds us all together yep. is how much we desperately need him but do your thing man go out there you, you, whoever you are do what god has put you on the planet for make the world a better place because of your gift so our the book i'm writing will be about you know how 
to how the soul breather breathed life into all of us and trying to release us all to our destiny and, and knowing that it all, all, every last bit of it comes to the praise and glory of him. Every last bit of it right. is from him. And then to, to go on and just and, and use those gifts. And, we're, yeah, we're making all kinds of music now. Some of it is going to be instrumental. Um, there's some creative things I want to do with the book that um, I can't give away the store. But it's, I, <laughs> to my knowledge, I don't, I don't know that anyone has done this yet. But uh, so I'm looking forward to doing that. But it's, it's, it's time for all of us, those of us who are believers, yeah. to just step up. And, and and break out of the boxes and do, yeah, it might be alarmingly creative things. People may think you're nuts. Well, I can tell you this. Everyone else is out screaming and hollering about what they believe, so I don't think there's anything wrong with us saying what we believe. Well, yeah, and 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 the other thing is, is uh, you, you brilliantly said this at one point, we were talking about how, and there, there's some wonderful, wonderful music out there. There's some very, very talented, creative people, uh, worship leaders who are doing just great work. And, and, but there's also a lot of people that, that, that feel like that they, they're parroting things. They have to do it a certain way. And, you know, and some of it's not their fault. They're being, they're being told that they have to do it a certain way. Right. And I felt like in a lot of times that, it seems like a lot of people that were writing music, they were all for the last eight to 10 years, they're all writing, you know, some to get on the same record. Yes. You know, and, um, and, and, and you so brilliantly said that they've gotten to the point where people have thought that red is blue. <laughs> right. They've been told red is blue. So it's, isn't red blue. <laughs> and, and I think that we've, we, we in the church, me included, and I will place myself at the forefront of this. I'm not pointing here to point fingers. I was in my back room and I wrote a song and, and I thought, well, that's, it was a worship song actually. And I thought, well, that's, that's pr pretty nice. And I heard, and some people says, God really speak. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, he does, and it was unmistakable. It was come from where I just heard him say, "That's good, but I want you to go deeper." Oh wow! And I and it, it took my breath away. Hmm. And I I thought he's asking, he's asking for more, right? <laughs> you know. And so I feel like it's time to get courageous again. Yeah, you know. We were all courageous early on without thinking about it. I don't know why that was. It was just this canopy of blessing. Uh, people say, well, who, do, who were you trying to copy or what your was like, no, we were just trying to unfold our lives, play our instruments, write songs, you know, right. honor God. Yep. Was, we weren't trying to write a number one hit. If it became that, well, thank, thankfully it did. But that wasn't, the, that wasn't the point. That was never the point. Right. But I do believe that that's why it spoke to people, because it was honest. Honesty matters. People know when they're, they're being sold a bill of goods. And uh, that's what's great is, is, is uh, I had a conversation with my son when he was 16 on his bed. And he was just saying, you know, I for years I always thought 
if 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 you know if I was going to live my life away that being a Christian, you know, that's a pretty good way to live your life. You know, it's pretty moral. It's a pretty good way to live your life. And you would tell me things about God's spirit moving and speaking to you. And now I know. Yes, that's great, dude. And I will treasure that conversation forever. Yeah. Uh, because a really wonderful person who is our son, <laughs> he really knew. That is so, that's so awesome. And gosh, you know, I know your heart. I know your life's work and so much of what you did, the depth of who you are and how you have poured yourself out for other people. That's all you want them to know. Right. I honor you for that. Well, that's nice of you to say, Gersh, but some of the best times we had when I was a worship director at a church up here is for seven or eight years, you came up three or four times a year at least and led worship and taught choir seminars and worship seminars and songwriting seminars. And we talked about a lot of stuff when you came up with people and tried to help them along the way and everything. And the services, when, when we led worship together, the, the services were amazing. And it was so unique and so special. And I remember one time uh, the pastor's wife, who was known for wanting to do things her way and not necessarily the right way, she looked at me one Sunday when you were leading worship and she said, I feel so small because God had completely filled the room. It was one of those just beautiful, glorious mornings. And I looked at her and I said, you are small. <laughs> and afterwards, I said, the reason I told you that is because that's the way it's supposed to be when we lead worship. We're small and God is big. And that's the way it always has to be when you lead worship. And you do that. You do that so well. People think like, well, you're a bass player. How does that happen? Or you you would play acoustic sometimes. It's like because you understood, and and, and that's what I would pray for. So many worship leaders. Do you know when the, the ones that are anointed that that and God does anoint worship leaders. You know, yes. he he. You know, is it any you know, when they're rededicating the temple? Is it any wonder that he put the sing the singers and the musicians at the front of the line? Right. You know, leading them back to, you know, Ezra and Nehemiah. Yeah, there's a reason why they were at the front. It's not, but you know, they you know, they're opening the gates for all of us. You know, and and I've watched you, and I know that when you're you're looking out at the room, and and God and God is just doing something in the room. Mm, yeah, He's doing something in the room, and you know what? The plan was to do just the song and go on to the next song, but something is happening in the second verse of this song. Right. We need to stay on the second verse of this song. Is it going to mean that the, the sermon's going to be a little bit later? Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and your point is, right. You know, that, that's the, you know, that's, that's where the thing was, if he's doing something, you know, we just stand back. Yep. You know, we just do it, dance. God, do your dance. I remember <laughs> one time Julie and I were in Hawaii, and we were walking on the beach, and I saw this guy painting up under a tree. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go see what he's painting. She's like, leave him alone. <laughs> just <laughs> don't go bother him. Because I'm pretty curious when it comes to people doing stuff like that. I like to go see what they're doing. And I'm like, no, I won't bother him. I'm just going to go see what he's doing. I promise. I won't talk to him. I won't interrupt him. I'll just watch. 
So I walked up behind him. I'm standing about eight feet behind the guy, just peeking over his shoulder while he's painting this beautiful painting of the beach, that moment. He's capturing that moment. Wow. And he turned around and he said, well, hey, how are you doing? And I said, well, I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to bother you. I'm just looking. I told my wife I wouldn't interrupt you. (laughs) And he's like, oh, that's okay. You know, come on up, take a closer look. So I walked up and I'm looking at this painting and I'm seeing what he is doing in the moment. And I actually, to make a long story short, the next day he invited us to his house and he sold me that painting off his easel. Oh, how great is that? And I couldn't believe it. It's the it's the painting we have in our living room that you've seen a thousand times. Oh, yeah. And I just remember thinking if we would take moments and just stop and see what God is doing, and then he invites you in to be part of it, and then he might even let you go home with something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just never know. I mean, it's but you have to stop. And look around to see what he's doing. Don't get caught up in the noise. Don't get caught up in uh, people's opinions and, and the different things. You know, nobody's going to bless you and encourage you and force you to go do things for God. You have to just say, God, it's me and you. We're going to do this. And if you just look and see what he's doing, it's just so rewarding at the end of the day when, when you get to be part of it. You perfectly described not only the ministry moment, but the artistic process that that is it in a nutshell. Well, you and I have spent enough time over the years songwriting and doing projects and stuff that you and I are on the same page when it comes to that stuff. And I can say this, out of all the songwriters I've ever known or worked with, you by far are the most artistic in your approach and you have captured not only your heart but your soul because you also you break out the Bible every time we go to write worship songs. I haven't seen anyone else do that. That's very unique to you. Well, you're you're very kind to say that, and it's so funny. I, I seriously think maybe tomorrow I'll write a good song. You know, they're just I they're just so many wonderful writers, and I I just but I I realize it's uh, you know you realize it's something you're supposed to do. Yeah, <laughs> just because it might not be a song that you know a hundred million people hear doesn't mean the song doesn't have value and it doesn't mean that it didn't come from God and that it's not supposed to be sung to him. Oh, absolutely. And that's where all these, you know, you know people that have said, well, I, I don't think I'll ever get a record deal, but I, I just feel like I should write a song. It's like, please do. Yeah. Please do. For sure. For sure. Especially if you're a good songwriter, good songwriters keep writing songs. Uh, yeah. All right, dude. Well, listen, man, I could go on and on. There's so much stuff we didn't even get to. So we will have to do this again, my friend. But I want to let you get out of here so you can go to the grocery store and get ready for your potential snow and ice storm in Nashville. (laughs) The ice man cometh. (laughs) The ice man cometh. But I can't thank you enough. Now, before I let you go, tell everyone where they can find all of your and Bryn's soul breather stuff and anything else you're working on. Tell them where they can find you. Well, we're at we're at soulbreather.com. We're also on Facebook at soulbreather. Bryn is far better at all this than I am. Let me just go ahead and say that right now. <laughs> uh, uh, and we're honestly just starting to wrap. Um, we're just start. I mean, I feel like we've barely begun the process of what soulbreather is going to be, but we already have wonderful relationships with with our with our 
I call them friends. I mean, they're fans, I guess, but they're, they're just friends. And, uh, one of my dreams is hopefully someday, uh, that we'll be able to figure out something interactively where all of, of the people who come to our site and some, we've introduced friends on the Silver Rider site to other friends. I want to create a community. I want to create a place where people feel free to bring their prayer needs and, and, their joys and their hopes and all that and light a candle up, uh, for, for a, a prayer at, you know, there was a, there was a site it's, it's almost gone now pretty much as was called, Oh gosh, what was it called? It was in the UK, but they had a prayer wall where you could leave a prayer. And oh, wow. if somebody else visited the site, they could click on a candle and, and say, all right, well, this person's requesting prayer for this. I'm going to pray for that. Pray for that person today. Wow. I used to go to it all the time. Well, oh my gosh, I'll I'll get it the next time we talk. Cool. Um, great idea, wonderful idea. It's, it's technology in the servants of, of God, and so what we we hope that um, you'll come to Soul Breather, you know, because we truly believe that if that, that we're all meant to be Soul Breathers with a little less, you're just joining the band. Yeah, there are two of us in this group, <laughs> <laughs> but join the band. We all we we're so much better when we're all together. And right. so, uh, and if we if we come and we share our stories, and we want to hear your stories, and we'll try to be as best as quick at returning uh, your your comments and and personal messages and stuff. But we'd like to connect more of you together across the world. We've got friends all across the world already in Soul Breather, and. Right. We feel in a lot of ways it's just beginning and it's it's time to take this this life journey together and, and we hope that um if that we can forge a you know a place where you guys meet each other and and tell your stories tell you what you're doing post pictures of your creative moment you know yeah we want it all absolutely we want to share in the i always say for the glory of god and the good of his people <laughs> that is awesome that is the perfect bow to put on the end of our part three conversation, dude. That is so fantastic. All right, man. Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for taking time to do this today. You are one of my dearest friends and we have the most history. We've done some amazing things and uh, much stuff ahead of us. So I love you and uh, you take care. Next time I'm down there, I'm going to buy you and Bryn lunch. I can't wait. And same right back at you and Bryn feels the same way. I love Florin. Where's he been? <laughs> <laughs> He's in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We've all been quarantined. That's right. Oh, man, I'm so ready, and I know you are, for this all to be over. <laughs> actually, being someone that doesn't worry about the pandemic, I'm, I've been more put in timeout than quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but dude, I love you, man. And uh, I thank you a million times over for doing this today. No, oh, my privilege and honor. I love you right back, man. It's, 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 it's just great to be able to recall some of the, some of the wonderful moments we have and, and hope and pray and believe there are many more yet to come. Absolutely. I cannot wait. All right, dude, I will talk to you soon. You too, man. See ya. Hey Rockstar provides digital marketing software and services for your church to generate more interest, create more exposure, and reach more people. Let Hey Rockstar amplify the awesomeness of your ministry. And, as always, Hey Rockstar is a proud sponsor of the Stage Right with John Thorne podcast.
Thank you so much for listening today. My thanks to Hey Rockstar. My extra special thanks to Mark Gershmill for being my guest. Next week, bring Gershmill from Rachel Rachel. Have a fantastic week. <laughs>